Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and if you are struggling in a high-conflict relationship, divorce, custody battle, or co-parenting situation that requires individualized attention, let Chris and Lisa at Been There Got Out hold your hand along the way, while providing expert strategic guidance based on one's year of success as a pro se, coupled with the other's high-conflict divorce coach certification. Go to Been There Got Out and click on the link, and I will have this in the podcast notes. Right now, I have a return guest. I'm happy to have back on Vincent McGovern. He's the author, and he has written The War on Dads and Children. It was uh, based on having obtained five ombudsman's investigations. Three were parliamentary ombudsmen, and also quite pivotal in procuring the first ever investigation by the European Union Commission into systemic failings in the UK family court process. I welcome you, Vincent, back onto the show. You've got to tell me more about how you arrived at the title of War on Dads and Children. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me back, Marianne. Definitely. An privilege. So how I arrived at the title? Well, actually, that took two years to arrive at. And I work part-time as a landscape gardener for a living. So while I would be pursuing my lawnmower or my hedge cutter or my chainsaw <laughs> or my spade <laughs> or shovel, <laughs> I would have these titles come through my head, but none of them nailed it. Right? So uh, a, a gentleman who was helping me, a journalist, him and I would be texting over and back. And one day I came up with it and uh, he said, absolutely, that cannot be beaten. So that is the title. But then we wanted to have a suitable uh, picture on the book. And my uh, fiancé, a lady called Sunita, she thought about it and she says, why don't you go for the scales of justice and depict them that represents the title? And I thought, that's lovely, if we could get one. But fortunately, the publishers, Grosvenor House Publishing, have an excellent, uh, what do you call them, uh, portrait artist or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put a title on it I'm not familiar with. And he came up with an absolute beauty. And when I saw it, I thought to myself, if ever slammed the gavel, slammed the hammer, this is it. <laughs> this is absolutely captures it. And I thought, I have to have a strap line. Because you can't just be saying there's a war, there's a war, there's a war. You can't be a cultist. So I decided that because of my ombudsman's investigations and various things, it should also have it how to fight it and win. You have to give people... You're going to lose a lot of the time, of course, in this business. But it, you have to give people hope that the system, that you are not just a little pebble in a big torrent that can be cast aside as irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy with the title, and I'm even more happier with the, the picture on the front cover. And the, the, the back cover has, it's almost hidden, but it's excellent. It's also on www.londonfathers.com website, which is the section of the Share Parent Charity I chair, Central London Branch Families Need Fathers. Mm -hmm. It has a father holding an infant baby in a loving manner behind mm -hmm. the script. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, those two cannot be beaten. They mm -hmm. are excellent. So that's how the title came about and the uh, presentation of the book. Mm -hmm. You know, what is your opinion about parental alienation and how it's being 
misuse the term, I guess, in the court system? I'm an amateur historian. And King Solomon ruled on parental alienation. Mm. When he talked about, do you want to have the child cut in half, regarding the good parent and the bad parent? Uh, Albert Einstein suffered from parental alienation regarding his daughter. Mm. Chuck Berry wrote a song, a very good song called Memphis, Tennessee, Long Distance Information. Think of the words. Marie was only six years old. Information, please. It's been around in the subculture, but it's hidden for since time began. Hmm. Now, Mr. Justice Headley, uh, a leading family court judge, uh, 2010, 2011 said, in the UK, I'm speaking about the UK, every piece of research ever undertaken makes it clear that the child does best when they have a relationship with both parents post-divorce and separation. Now, obviously that does not include, nor was it ever intended to include, violent parents, crack addicts, sex pests or any of that nature. We're talking mm. normal average parents. <clears throat> the problem is when you have a, a uh, adversarial system, which mm -hmm. I think is uniquely disastrous for children and parents and society, but it's very good for the vested interest within. When you have such a society, such a system, particularly when you have a system in the UK where the entire gateway system to the family court, it has been greatly subverted by the gendered interpretation of domestic violence. That then means that a domestic violence becomes a vehicle, even if it wasn't present. In fact, according to research in Australia, 88% of the time on the family courts in 2012-2019, false allegations or unknown false allegations or mistaken false allegations are 88% of the entire 100%. So, I always say, if a parent has to go to court to see their children, they're already a victim of parental alienation. I'm talking about to see your children, not to get your children. There's a lot of uh, wrong footing in this where we're told it's a custody battle. 95% of the time, it is not a custody battle because custody means one side has all. It is a see my child contact issue, parental right. time battle. <clears throat> and um, when parental alienation in the UK about two years ago, when shared parenting campaigners, who are mostly female, I have to emphasize, and truly capable they are, when they began to push the parental alienation should be included under the legislation of coercive and controlling behavior, which mm -hmm. and be a crime, which it is. Right. The anti-shared parenting lobby, which is the vested interest, had to get together and come up with the idea that fathers, uniquely only fathers, who allege parental alienation when they have been the abusive parent are automatically given the custody of the children. Well, this is a complete and utter nonsense. Mm -hmm. Now, inversely, you have mothers, a small percentage, about four to five percent is the figures generally, who are being ousted from the family home or from the care and protection of the children, uh, unjustifiably so. Not in all cases, but in many cases. Because in this situation, you have what I call the avalanche effect. And when the avalanche rolls down on a parent, and 90 odd percent of the time it rolls down on the father, but when sometimes it rolls down on the mother, she is then treated as a pariah, a witch mm -hmm. from hell almost. And uh, the more she attempts to fight against this monstrosity, 
the more angry and agitated and emotional she may become. So then, of course, she's deemed unsuitable. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put anyone into a corner and treat them horribly, harshly, of course, the behavior will not be normal, pleasant. It's going to be unpleasant because they've been treated in a brutal manner. So there's women, mothers, mm-hmm. who are victims of parental alienation. But half of all the children who are victims of parental alienation are girls. Half of all the grandparents are grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some research recently where I, I believe one in seven grandmothers in the UK are not seeing their grandchildren. Now, of course, some don't want to see the grandchildren. Sometimes the grandchildren don't want to see them. But the point is, when the father, as it usually is, or whichever parent is ousted from looking after, having contact, or parenting time with their children, that almost invariably includes the wider family. Because the alienating parent only wants the child to love them. Mm-hmm. It's a mental health issue by the parent with care who mm-hmm. exercises this abuse of power. Now, in the UK, it is 95% of alienated parents are fathers. In Nigeria, 95% of alienated parents are mothers because there's too much power depending on culture given to the respective gender. Whereas what you should have is what you have on the, the continent, generally speaking, in Scandinavian countries, is an inquisitorial system with both parents looking after the children, moving on, unless there's good criminal reasons why they should not be. Mm-hmm. And there was a program on Channel 4 done by Candor Productions. The presenter was Liz Tickle, whom I've met twice in the past. And it was, it just titled The Truth about the family courts. And it is a brutally one-sided program where it took the most vociferous, hardline opponents of shared parenting, who are the embedded system far too often, who went on air, arguing from their perspective, Mm but that in inverted commas, that far too often they saw that fathers were getting custody of lovely, vulnerable children and sexually abusing them, otherwise abusing them, by using the term parental alienation against the mother when she couldn't prove domestic violence allegations she had made. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, uh, an excellent podcaster, no more than yourself, mm-hmm. called Brian Drug, with Glass Blind Spot, he got myself, um, Liz Archer, an attachment psychologist in the family courts, and Sarah Fillimore, a leading family law barrister for over two decades. And ironically, I accidentally featured in the program on the Channel 4 TV by accident, but that's beside the point. So I knew quite a bit of the inside of it. Mm-hmm. And we absolutely took apart its gross misrepresentation. And it's now part of a formal complaint to the Ofcom regulator. Mm-hmm. So parental alienation has been deliberately suppressed by the system that mm-hmm. does not care far too often from its ideologues what damage is done to children or society or parents once they get their preferred outcome and they're savagely resisting it. So it's become ultra-polarized. So this parental alienation term mm-hmm. is being manipulated, we'll say, by the abusive parent in order to get the child from the other target it's parent. Not, my argument is my anger, if you like, it's not against the abusive parent Mm -hmm. because most of those parents have psychological issues, Mm -hmm. undiagnosed personality issues, um, 
of bipolar disorders. Um, it doesn't matter with narcissism, doesn't matter what you want to call it, maybe just insecurity quite often. Mm -hmm. My real anger, and this is the title of my book, The War on Dads and Children, is because the system that is the gateway to the family courts and too much of the pyramid structure of the court system resolutely abuses the rights of parents and children to have a proper relationship with each other. And they massively increase the amount of parental alienation and they deny its existence. They say if, you, if a parent brings it up in court, or oh, you talk about parental alienation syndrome, which is, a, it is a discredited, rightly so, term. So it is hijacked. Mm -hmm. So it is a major, major issue, and will remain a major issue, because the vast domestic violence lobby in the UK, are, which is highly gendered, I might add, are stating that parental alienation is a term of abuse used by manipulative fathers to get control of the children. That no doubt happens in one or two percent of all the family court cases you have. But of course, the extraordinary out, outlier is being presented as being mainstream, a, a gross distortion, I might add, and deeply damaging to children, particularly the evidence of every piece of evidence I've ever seen on damage done to children by alienation from half of their DNA, from half of their makeup from the wider families on both sides, grandparents, grand, uh, uncles, aunts, cousins. It is, a children's, it is a child's right to have a proper grown-up relationship with those people during his childhood. Might be only once a year it meets at Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, summer holiday. It makes no difference. That is part of their being, mm -hmm. their, their person. So you cut that in half. And worse, the alienating parent will usually... Uh, inform the child on many occasions, in many ways, that the other parent's family, the other parent is bad, dirty, unclean, abusive, whatever derogatory term you wish to think of. And of course, the child, when he gets to teenage years, starts questioning some of this. Am I half bad? So as a child, puberty and adolescence is difficult enough, particularly in modern times, the pressures in education and all the rest, social media, without putting this extra burden on innocent children. Mm -hmm. So the outcomes of mental mm -hmm. health and early pregnancies and mm -hmm. suicide awareness and boys joining gangs to get mm -hmm. that father figure around them, mm -hmm. it's the prison population, over 80% is from single parents. Mm -hmm. Of course, not all are bad single parents. There's many excellent single parents. There's just too many. There should be far more dual parents. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems when... Um one or the other parent is absent in the home. Mm -hmm. you know, they're learning parental alienation from that parent. Yeah. So they're also learning to disregard um, authority, authority oh, figures. Yes, yes. That is a major central factor. And it's a huge factor in what I consider the huge growth of, I hesitate to use the word, but I have to, narcissism or self-obsession, particularly among young girls in the modern media age with Instagram, TikTok, WhatsApp, mm -hmm. Facebook, forever taking pictures of themselves. They're mm -hmm. forever looking for that basic security. Whereas, generally speaking, as a father that's ousted, of course, some fathers leave. There are good fathers, no question about that. But there are tens of thousands every year who make applications to family court to see their children. There are far more greater number who wish to see their children but haven't the means to go through the family court process. So there's an awful lot of good parents being absent. When the child realizes that its central being has been cast out, 
and there's no control because a girl growing up will often be a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. She'll go around with daddy C and A, B and C, right? Mm -hmm. And so she'll have a different tone of authority than mommy because mommy will normally usually be the more regular one for discipline matters and be the go-to. But daddy is the more distant figure, in a way, the more authoritative figure because he's usually working longer hours. Mm -hmm. So she misses, you see, that whole section of authority. And the boy has no role model either. Mm. And an awful lot of schools now, uh, many young children, particularly in inner city areas in the UK, don't even have a male primary teacher in the school. Mm. So where are they going to get guidance from? That informal, casual guidance mm -hmm. we all get from living. So a girl doesn't know when she's growing up what to really look for in a man. Because she learns a lot from her father about what he thinks of women, what he thinks of men. That's just that subliminal absorption of information. Mm -hmm. And children are like sponges. They are extraordinary at faking things in and analyzing. But see, the real problem in parental alienation is this. A child until is about six or seven will kind of uh, just react instinctively. And after about eight or nine onwards, they begin to feel that they are speaking for themselves because their thought process has been emotionally controlled by the alienating parent. So they'll quite often reject the other parent using lurid examples. Uh, one of which I've heard, for example, is that uh, daddy comes along and puts bags of cocaine in the spare wheel of mommy's car and then calls the police on her. So therefore he can't go out to the car unless mm -hmm. mommy's with him. Because, of course, she wants to just control that child's life. Or another one I've heard of is, and the child was crying with anger that he wasn't being believed when he said it, that when he was in mummy's tummy, daddy tried to kill him by repeatedly kicking mummy in the stomach. Hmm. And that child has some memory. Hmm. But think of the damage done to those children with that belief system. Hmm. And then you have a vast industry in the mental health services. Mm -hmm. who are coming in with far too often pious platitudes. Mm -hmm. So there's not address at all the child's need. And Dr. Warren Farrell in his book, The Bike Crisis, there's one excellent line in it, actually about his own uh, stepdaughter, I believe the girl is, where the child felt that she was a duck in a family of hens. Mm -hmm. You need to read the chapter to understand it much better than I've explained it. But a, a child has a deep sense of its place in the world. There's a daddy and his mommy that made it. Mm -hmm. And when half of those have been removed by false pretense most of the time, and the child being emotionally compromised, not emotionally free to express itself, it quickly learns to placate the alienating parent who is normally a very controlling individual, whether it's male or female. It's a characteristic of them. Uh, so the child for many years is under this parent's emotional control, which is uh, worse than physical bars around the child almost, which of course is the extreme manifestation of control. You put mm -hmm. a child behind bars. And the child, when is that child going to ever have a normal view on life? Because it has to come through so much, mm -hmm. it has to unwrap so much horrible baggage. I agree. My deep sympathy to those children. Mm -hmm. and to the non-resident parent who's been, and, and his family, or her family. Mm -hmm. 
It seems over here in the U.S., it seems like this is getting to be neck to neck as far as judges giving <clears throat> custodial to, <clears throat> I'm sorry, fathers or mothers. You know, it's like a, a neck to neck thing. Um, it, you know, these judges are either taking them away from the father and or taking them away from the mother almost at like an equal rate. Like the judges are trying to make up to the fathers like, well, we've taken the kids away from you for years and years. So now we're going to start doing it to mothers. Well, there, there is an element of that. And it, the projection of it, I can only speak for the UK. You know about the US, which is generally considered to be well ahead of the UK. But... Um, the reason for my book was titled The War on Dads and Children and Left Out Mothers is because 95% of cases in the UK court, in the family courts, uh, custody as you call it, now data term in the UK, but it's absolutely applicable, is given mm -hmm. to mothers. Only about 5% is given to fathers. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore you see, I am absolutely, at, I only really have two beliefs in my not very well shaped head. One, all people are equal. And two, more importantly, children are entitled to a childhood. Mm -hmm. So when 95% of the time, the father is ousted mm -hmm. or minimalized, because court orders are not being enforced, 98.7% failure to enforce the court orders in the court system itself, which uh, were made in the best interest of the children, and then the courts don't enforce them far, far mm -hmm. too often. Mm -hmm. That equally applies if a mother seeks enforcement on my dad. So when um, there's no figures on this, you see, there's no figures on parentless, because it shouldn't just be mm -hmm. fatherless, it should be on parentless. Mm -hmm. The amount of children growing up without a, a, a proper parent in both families. Uh, in Sweden, yes, it is, um, it is Sweden, where they have only 2% of separated parents end up in court. The default position is 50-50. And everybody, all the system understands support of both parents. In case some have psychological issues, alcohol issues, people have issues. Mm -hmm. That's life. How can you? Some people are more than others, different circumstances, bereavement, what have you. In the UK, uh, and the children feel heavily involved with both parents, that the fathers are part of their life in over 90% of cases. In the UK, it's estimated at 2020 that only 50% of children believe the father is a part of their lives. And this is primarily among mm -hmm. the poorer sections of society, mm -hmm. where the more vociferous and militant agencies are. Unregulated, unaccountable, normally operating under the disguise of domestic violence, mm -hmm. which is a fantastic bandwagon and has been grossly distorted. In many regards, I see elements of that as being not much different than criminal enterprise because it was fraudulent manner in which it requires funding. It's multiplicity of accountant. So if a, it's, it's now legally aid sentencing upon punishment of offenders is the gateway to the family courts in the UK. Mm -hmm. And if domestic violence is a feature, you get free legal aid. Uh -huh. If you're means tested for the poorer people. But the domestic violence agencies are entitled, uh, sorry, entirely, 98% purely female focused. Mm -hmm. I got this on the Freedom of Information, which is why, once again, the war on dads and children. So the state is given hundreds of millions per year to unregulated, unaccountable, 
totally bigoted agencies in terms of gender. And they, the entry to the family court process quite often determines the outcome. Mm -hmm. And this is the grotesque perversion of the Welfare of the Children Act, which was that, unless there's very good reason, the child should have a good relationship with both parents and the wider families. Contact should be frequent and regular, but all those words I agree with. Totally hollow statements. And when a mother is no longer the resident parent, it's almost as if the people within the system go out of the way to justify their, their action. They'll double up. And of course, the domestic violence agencies will not help those mothers then. They will only help the mothers get rid of the father. I'm interested in helping her stay involved with her children, from what I can see. So there's a huge lack of regularity, accountancy, and uh, it is the worst, I believe, it has ever been in the UK in the family court industry. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you say these judges need to be highly, highly, <laughs> if that's a term, educated in when they're, they're in the courtroom to look at personality disorders and these games that are being played, or are they just rushing through a case so they can get onto the golf course? The good judges are extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Good. And I've had the privilege as a litigant, a person in my own case, which had many hearings, and as a Mackenzie friend, as a lay advisor in the family courts, uh, mostly the fathers, but sometimes mothers. Uh, the good judges are extraordinarily good. Mm-hmm. and they certainly can spot what you have been talking about. They're also, sadly, extraordinarily rare. Mm-hmm. So far too many, it's go with a social worker support, just copy and paste, and keep it going on. There's two factors about the UK family court system that are quite mind-boggling. One, it is an extraordinary skill of forever developing work for itself with prevarication, delegation, oh my God. And two, it is absolutely genius and how it will always say to politicians or any pressure put on it, that they're always purely concerned with the welfare of the child without a shred of evidence to back it up. Mm-hmm. So how you can hide it, that's a wonderful phrase of my dad. It's entirely my belief. It's a subversion of it and the perversion of it far too often. I mean, for example, it is quite regular that when the father, for example, which is the majority of applicants to get uh, seeing their children, make an application to the family court. The mother will go to a domestic violence agency, will be assisted in mm-hmm. memory recall, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. And then he will be stopped from seeing the children because she would have taken advice from this unregulated person. Uh, the court may take three, four, five months for the first determination, which is called a FIDRA, first year in dispute resolution appointment. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being about the children and co-parenting moving on, the father has to deal with a huge amount of allegations against them, sponsored by the state. The mother was a good chance of a barrister or solicitor helping her at the first hearing, because they know if we get an injunction or whatever, they then get the case moving on. So it's just harvesting of domestic Mm -hmm. violence. Now the reverse also applies sometimes, but the amount of men, fathers, who get get, um, legal aid, is about three percent. Uh, as regards false allegations, after the revisions in the legal aid sentence and punishment in 2013, in some areas of the UK, 
the amount of applications citing domestic violence by the mothers rose by and getting injunctions for it ex parte without the father being in court mm -hmm. rose by 300 percent and the definition of domestic violence and coercive controlling behavior was so broadened that i quote from the training that if a man is silent meaning a father if a man is silent he can still be violent because he's coercive and controlling by being silent so you can, gender determines guilt far, far too often. Now you see, the partial reaction to that is that some judges are disillusioned by this approach, shall we say, and sometimes take a, a strong anti-that approach. There are a few on occasions, and they sometimes get decisions wrong. And of course, those decisions are highly publicized and all the rest. The other decisions are not highly publicized. But when you have a predictive situation when a parent 85% of father, makes an application to court to see the children in a meaningful parenting time. And the court awards two hours per month for maybe six months in a contact center or whatever, based on new false, quite often, allegations. That in itself is a cruel abuse of power. Mm -hmm. That in itself is a major act of parental alienation because of 720 hours in a 30-day month. How can a young child possibly have a bond with someone of two hours per month, it sees, that is normally maybe very negatively or subliminally in, uh, encouraged to think of in a negative fashion. And it is child abuse, state-sponsored child abuse. And it needs to be addressed and described as such. Mm -hmm. But if ever there's going to be a correction of the system and improvement, it will not come from within. That nonsense is the equivalent of in the Jim Crow era of uh, a black man approaching the local Ku Klux Klan asking for assistance to, with the civil rights. It's a joke. You don't ask the vested interest to improve a situation. It's like asking the narcissist, to, to, what's your advice in firefighting? Because the people within the system, they don't mean to be bad. They come into with good intentions quite often. A lot of them genuinely believe they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Now, when I, when I use the expression about the KKK, I'm talking about the unregulated agencies outside of the courts, mm -hmm. the gateway agencies. I'm not helping the courts themselves in that context. But their outcome is virtually the same because they copper fasten the decisions made at local unregulated level by the domestic violence agencies who get the injunctions ex parte, meaning without uh, both parties being present. So you have the state sponsoring parental alienation mm -hmm. in the belief that they're doing the right thing. It is absurd. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some mothers that are sitting in court and, mm -hmm. you know, these judges and attorneys, they all talk together. Yeah. <clears throat> they go they to their together. clubs. Yes. 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 So it's, it's their scene. It's their scene. Right. And, and you're sitting there and the opposing attorney will bring up parental alienation and yeah. it's like, what's going on? And yeah. You know, then all of a sudden, this mother does not have her kids anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or then suddenly, you know, visitation orders are not being observed by yes. the father. Yeah. And uh, no one sees these kids for months, even the grandparents. And then finally, the judge decides to throw the mother a bone by letting yeah. them have them every other weekend. And it's all money generated. So they can get child support out of somebody. They got to get it out of somebody. Uh, 
that applies too often, what you have said. Uh, the central problem in the UK, you see, is that neither party, neither parent, is the control factor for their children. It is the state. Mm -hmm. This is what people do not realize. Mm -hmm. And no laws and equality around here is applied to the family court process. And it's not just that there's a golf club culture or a wine and cheese party culture among the attorneys and that. It is their culture. And their culture is insulated. It's secretive. And I think that is secretive is guaranteed to lead to natural injustice because it's got no outside forces to go along and do the usual societal development. Now, as an example of how powerful social workers can be, you only have to look up the case of a lady called Lucy Allen, who's now a member of parliament for many years in the UK. And she was a high-flying, uh, very capable lady. She was a partner at KPMG, the massive management accountancy firm. She was on several boards. And an innocuous statement she made to a locum doctor, almost within a hair's breadth, came to her losing uh, her child, her nine-year-old son. It's fascinating. It's in the Daily Mail. It's in my book as well, I might add. And her husband, who she'd been living happily with all those years, was not interviewed once. And when the social worker observed the child seeing the mother coming from school, the first thing the child said to the mother was, how are you today, mommy? Like, just like that. That is an indication that that child had a parent, that mother, and the mother was lacking as a parent. Like how could you twist an innocent comment so badly? <laughs> so you see, when you talk about two attorneys in the family court in the UK, or in the US, sorry, 60% of cases in the UK have no attorneys because mm. of legal aid, poverty, and all the rest. And I mentioned earlier about an avalanche. Once an avalanche starts rolling in this adversarial process, and once it gains ground, it's virtually impossible to counter it. So that's how mothers lose out that I have seen far too often in the family courts. Mm -hmm. uh, but a factor in too many of them losing out, not all the time by any means, but too many is they have been encouraged to make rather lurid allegations about the father who may never have been subject to any form of process in his life for bad behavior or anything else. And suddenly when it comes to a child contact issue, he's a relation, a descendant of Genghis Khan almost. So some of these vulnerable mothers, some, not all I emphasize, but some are encouraged to make allegations they can't substantiate and they lose residence as a context, as a, mm -hmm. as, a, as a factor. Then of course, the type of mother that I see usually losing most from an honest perspective in the family courts is the type of mother who is too honest, mm -hmm. not willing to play the system sufficiently and can't stand the nonsense and reacts in an uncourt-like manner, shall we say, mm -hmm. to this, so suddenly she's perceived as being, oh, her persona, her behavior indicates that this could be true. So could be true becomes actually true based on an outburst to an absurd allegation. And this is the real problem with an adversarial system. It's a winner-take-all mentality. Right. But ch children should not be subject to a winner-take-all mentality, ever. So that's the central problem, an adversarial system. It's, it seems like this is not ever going to stop. Like the normal parents, like in, you mentioned Sweden, the 2%, yeah. you know, um, the normal parents are staying out of court. Those are yeah, the, yeah. 
Yeah. A- any parent, if you can parent with another normal parent, you'll yeah. stay out of court. These are the cases well, we don't hear about. But we don't. But a factor here is in the UK, if you claim domestic violence as a vulnerable woman, you are short tracked for social housing. Mm-hmm. You are fast tracked for legal aid assistance. You get huge extra benefits. This is the problem. You have not got a normal society. Now, my hope is that uh, I can be part of the UK going from being the worst for children's outcomes post-abortion separation to at least matching or halfway to the 37 first world nations. Mm. America is well ahead of the UK. There's deeply embedded systems in the UK on a highly gendered basis that sometimes overreach themselves and sometimes they harm the person they're pretending to be protecting. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem when you have an unregulated system that's highly gendered in the gateway agencies. Then you see the higher up the courts you get, the better the standard of judge. Mm-hmm. But who can get through two or three levels of court where it can be a year between hearings? So three or four years has passed. If you have legal representation, you're probably looking at £100,000 for 10 or 12 hearings, especially if they're two or three day hearings, some of them. And if you have other agencies involved, you're dealing with the other agencies, the solicitors work it per hour, 250, 200 pounds per hour. So you multiply that, people are remortgaging houses, but they have houses, not social housing. People are drawing in pensions. That is all the child's money been taken away. Mm-hmm. Because those people would have had that money to give to their children. And 99% of the time, people leave their property, their assets to their children. Mm-hmm. If those assets are greatly reduced, there's less for the children. So the children who have been damaged by malfunctioning state process then have less to inherit because of the malfunctioning state process. The state wins twice, the children lose twice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very true. Yeah, all the money gets sucked up through the litigation. Yes. Yeah. And then sometimes, it, well... These kids will blame the target parent for not yeah, oh, yeah. being able to buy them a car. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. The demands they have on the targeted parent is absolutely absurd. And the slightest admonishment or non-compliance because the child has got almost the power of infallibility. It hasn't just, just the power of a child, you know, oh, daddy or mommy, give me this, give me that. I'll be good. I'll forever. You know, the usual plea bargaining we get for children and adults growing up in life, right? Mm-hmm. We have a situation where the child realizes, because it's got a, a distorted paranoia, a distorted dyad, functioning relationship with its uh, sole parent, effectively. Mm-hmm. And when it sees the targeted parent, the targeted parent is an enemy. So the child is thinking, what can I get? If I don't get what I want, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And what I can do is, number one, I can withdraw contact. I can stop going to see you. Two, when I do go to see you, I can make it horrible for you. Mm-hmm. But where does that belief system come from? It comes from the alienating parent, encouraging the child, subliminary perhaps, directly, it depends, to believe this. And then too often, when the child gets the teenage years, it does a flip. And as a father, usually the father, but also the mother, is still functioning, has a property, is not on the streets or homeless or broken as a person. So we'll go to that parent and completely reject the alienating parent for a couple of years. So you, you have a very damaged system when the core function of a child's upbringing is family is split in half like the atom. 
<laughs> the damage to the children is enormous. <laughs> and uh, this is the greatest anger I have against the system in the UK on this war on dads and children, primarily dads. But I can't put in the war on dads and children because what am I talking about? And if you're a shared parent and advocate, as I am to my backbone, and 95% of parents not seeing their children are fathers, well, what are you going to represent as us? You, know, you either have something to say or you don't have anything to say. And if you have something to say, you should be able to back it up. <laughs> it's extraordinary. 25 copies of my book have been given to senior journalists with an interest in this business, members of parliament, senior judges, heads of social services. Uh, departments in the UK, right? Mm -hmm. Not one acknowledgement have I received. And I've had five ombudsman's investigations. Mm -hmm. Three of them were parliamentary into these very same agencies. Mm -hmm. So you see, it's a societal culture. Nobody wants to be the one to put the head above the parapet and rock the boat in the UK. Because mm -hmm. you're going to be accused of being on the side of uh, abusive dads hurting innocent wonderful mothers and take the child to abuse them yourself mm -hmm. we all got the jimmy savile <laughs> almost as it were uh or or um what's that harvey weinstein we're all in that category apparently we're all controlling and all powerful and evil 99 <laughs> percent of fathers are trying to earn a living and get on in life 98 percent. same with mothers mm -hmm. but the family courts disastrously encourage the worst elements of people to come out. So those with already uh, personality issues or whatever, they have unlimited opportunities to exercise it at government expense, government support. It's a disaster. It's criminal behavior, but it's encouraged. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no problem. You, you go. Would you say that uh, these judges drag on these cases? Why not get to the bottom of it within two days, end it, as opposed to drag it out for eight months? Uh, eight months is a very short term in the UK. Oh, well, how about years? We, 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 yeah, we yeah. had people no, I, going through this for with years. <laughs> most people, because um, I, I'm chair of a branch of a shared parent charity, Central London branch, we deal, before COVID, we're dealing with over 900 attendees per year, of which about 300 would be newcomers on an annual basis. They come in believing and take one case mm -hmm. and that they will all be sorted. Mm -hmm. You're extremely lucky it was dealt with in six cases. You're very lucky it was done in two years. Mm -hmm. And the principal factor, the principal failing in it is apart from the ridiculous delay caused by judges not making decisions that are binding and that are in the best interest of the children at the time, but population with both parents moving on, is they will not then enforce the orders, which are 98% against mothers for not complying with their court orders. And this is a societal influence. Mm -hmm. Because members of parliament, all the vested interests are very heavily I don't want to use the word feminized because femininity is a wonderful. Listen, if it wasn't for femininity, mankind wouldn't exist for a start, or humankind. But mm -hmm. um, the more militant aspects of them get the most attention, and the media is extraordinary pro innocent women. Mm -hmm. So you have a situation in the UK where women are being infantilized almost as if they're incapable of knowing what to say. And society must not punish these innocent women because there's so many outlets looking after themselves primarily, 
who will use these victims, like Channel 4 did, to present this one-sided narrative. So the judges are afraid of making, let's call it stern orders, and I'm talking a stern order for the child of a relationship with both parents, a proper relationship. And because it's a secret, uh, there's no verification of outcomes. Mm -hmm. There's no regulation. There's no inspection. So it's self-serving. And the um, idea, if you believe, a large element is managed separation. That when an alienating parent of either gender has to make an application to court, the court just goes through a process of what I call managed separation. Mm. Far too often. They lay prevarication, the non-enforcement of their orders. And when the parent, the targeted parent, runs out of funds, then the case is over. Mm -hmm. But the order may be a quite good order, but it's not happening. I myself have to predict the situation for one of my court orders. The court says that the order stands but will not be enforced. Mm -hmm. That's a non-order. Right. That is a non-order. It's a total contradiction. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to give away any more details than that because of rules of confidentiality and the like. But it's absolutely absurd that the judge feels he can make that order. Mm -hmm. You have an order, but you won't enforce it. Or even he'll write, well, he'll write up an order, but yet he won't sign it. Um, excuse, excuse me for that. Write up an order but not sign it. You will have that. You will also have a situation where usually where there's one side with counsel, uh, which is the mother in the UK on legal aid, they will draft the order. And that is some minefield. So you'll have all sorts of uh, diversions and semantic interpretations and nuances that makes the order unenforceable, which mm -hmm. deliberately unenforceable. So you think an order is black and white because these people certainly have the intelligence to do so. Mm -hmm. It's not. Then an awful lot of family court cases in the UK are heard by what's called lay magistrates. That's three people, sometimes two, usually three, because of the reduction in judges and all the rest and cutbacks. And they're advised by a legal advisor who is legally trained, mm -hmm. meaning they're not good enough to get a living in the legal process outside of that little mm -hmm. cosseted program. And they will work from the social workers report. So you have the avalanche program for the social workers report becomes the, the Bible almost for forward motion. And whichever way it veers, it's then just additive. Mm. But there's enough clauses in it to make the targeted parent feel, well, I, I can't come back on this or I can do this on that. You cannot far too, far too often. Mm. So it's absolutely ridiculous it takes so much litigation to come at even to come to direct conclusion to don't enforce it mm -hmm. so all that is is the state taking money out of society out of poor people's pockets far too often poor people's pockets or lower middle class because see the wealthier people can exist much better in this process they can hire the better counsel the domestic violence agencies and all these gateway agencies they're not involved in these cases mm -hmm. So it is primarily the lower middle class and the middle class who are in court in the vast majority of these cases, because the poorer people, the ones in the housing estates or the projects, I believe you call them in America, mm -hmm. they haven't got the means to go to court. So they never get to court. It's invisible. Mm -hmm. And the few high profile cases we hear about, they get such lurid publicity, like Amber Heard, Johnny mm -hmm. Depp and the like. Uh, you are, are, are um, 
uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I mean, I can read between the lines there. Of course, I could be mistaken. But there is such an amount of publicity given to a few cases that are the exceptions and people in the limelight. And no publicity given to the massive unregulation of agencies at the lower level. So people think there's a lot of information about the family courts when there's only a small, select, salacious example almost. No, I, I agree with the lower classes. And I hate maybe, using the term lower classes. The poorer I do classes. too. I do yeah, too. The poorer classes. The poorer classes. And even the, less, now, the less greedy. The less greedy. Right. Life. And yeah. even the middle class is now evolving into the lower classes as well. Yes. And another thing I often see is that the middle class are only one job away from being in the lower class. Mm -hmm. They're only one redundancy. They're only one dismissal. They're only one factory or department or agency shut down. So there's a lot of fear there. Mm -hmm. And a person has not got freedom. They've not got independence as a living in poverty or fear of poverty. Because mm -hmm. you, you're just existing. You're not living an independent, free life. I'm a great believer in the American dream. Mm -hmm. But I'm afraid the American dream is far too often. It's just that, a dream. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, it's a shame these kids are paying a price. And they're being brainwashed into hating the other parent. Yes. And there are other people out there that say parental alienation just doesn't exist when, until you've lived it, then you know. Well, a lot of people who say it doesn't exist do not want to acknowledge that it does exist, do not want to acknowledge that they should be doing something about it. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of absolving themselves from their guilt. I won't acknowledge its existence, or I will say, well, look at an extreme example, a polarized example, and give that as evidence. Look at that beastly man who killed all his family. So how can we consider that alienation doesn't exist? Yet in the UK, more children are killed by mothers than by fathers. For all, sole fathers are the threat. So you see, people will deliberately, not my business. It's mm -hmm. other people's dirty business. It's mm -hmm. your fault, you're in court. You have something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Of course, when it happens to them, then, and they come to me or my colleagues looking for help, it suddenly become, how can this be done to me? Mm -hmm. I have never been in trouble before. I've observed the rules of society. I've been, I got rights and equality. No, you've no rights, you have no equality. Mm -hmm. Once you're the alienated parent, you definitely, equality is a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And as regards rights, a parent of either gender has no rights in the UK, the state has the rights. Because in 1989, when they revised the Children Act 1989, and the wording on it is beautiful, the implementation is something else. Uh, section 2, subsection 4 states, and I quote verbatim, or close enough to it, for the violence of doubt, the father is no longer the legal guardian of his children. I've seen on a Boris's blog explaining what it means. Now, people will say that automatically means the mother's legal guardian. No, the mother never had legal guardianship. In the older days, the father had. And I've noticed lots of them abused it because whoever has power abuses. That's human nature. So it needs to be a, a correction facility. Uh, so fathers believe in, and then they talk about equality and all the rest. Equality laws do not apply in the family courts because they're qualified, not absolute. Mm. So you have this 
wonderful pyramid of wording and legislation. That's sacred. That's wonderful. And you have a complete perversion of it far too often. If it's not deliberate, it's almost accidental. It's from laziness. It's from, as you say, something students just wanting to get off quickly. There's many human factors involved. And the central problem is an adversarial court system. Mm-hmm. State-sponsored to, I've used expression in the past, that for the UK family court system are the politicians who defended to say that both children have a right in law to go to court and have a, a custody battle, shall we say? Mm-hmm. You know, it's really only a desire to see children for the vast majority of applicants. It's equivalent of saying, I played it fair because there are two duelists and I gave them both a pistol. But you unloaded the pistol of one of them and you loaded the pistol of the other. So you've given both a pistol, but yes, one has ammunition, one hasn't. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to investigate that. Uh, men particularly, I condemn in modern society in Britain, particularly the educated men, the university, the middle class, who deliberately go into a sort of almost perverted chauvinism. Mm-hmm. We live in 2021, and they're acting as if they're in the Edwardian era or Victorian era, that the Ahmadi must defend women. Of course, until it happens to them, and then it's, oh, I'm the only victim of all time. It's never happened to anyone else as bad as it's happened to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and they just become another separated parent and the way a lot of them deal with it is they emotionally separate themselves completely from the children mm-hmm. to protect themselves so what the children then feel alienated which they have been alienated and that causes all sorts of because alienation of a parent by a child in the child's mind that's a horrible damage to a child because mm-hmm. the child thinks what have I done wrong mm-hmm. The child's not nothing wrong. A child is a child. And as a child gets older, it thinks of something that's said when it's four or five or six or seven. And it makes this into a, a, the pyramid as to the reason why this behavior has occurred by the targeted non-resident parent. So the child is taking the blame for adult decisions and actions. Mm-hmm. This is grotesque. Mm-hmm. Absolutely grotesque. You know, another issue, and I I promise I won't keep you much longer, but another issue is that um, some parents will go to a family counselor without the other parents. So how can it be family counseling? Then they will proceed to go and read court orders and transcripts in front of the counselor with the child present. So now technically that's that's illegal. In reality, it happens. Right. In the UK. Right. Yeah. Same here. And, and uh, no doubt, yes. And uh, what often happens is if to get to the family courts in the UK, you have to go through a process called mediation, Miami's, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds very good. But one of the diversions around it are allegations of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the domestic violence agencies massively milk this bandwagon. So, an alienating mother or a mother who has been caught up in the system. Because far too many mothers just want a, a, a divorce from the father. They don't really want to separate the children. But they're in the process for the force to separate the children. They're forced to make allegations. So she will go to the counsellor with the domestic violence agency's report, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes the her modus operandi moving on with the guidance of the domestic violence advocate quite often. Who know that sometimes does good work. But my argument is this, if you have a society that's regulated by rule of law and with police well-funded, why are you having these gender vigilantes 
been effective police forces like paramilitaries. You should not have paramilitaries in a normal functioning society, just as you should not have gender vigilantism controlling the entry to any court process. There will always be these people with very strong viewpoints in society, in all aspects of politics and everything else. But they should not be part of the embedded structure, unregulated, unaccountable, and highly bigoted. So it should be the police dealing with allegations of criminal nature, only the police. The, the civil courts are no place for dealing with uh, criminal allegations. Because on one you have to have beyond reasonable doubt, the civil courts is a balance of probabilities, well, that's down to behavior on the day. And you and I and everybody else in life occasionally makes mistakes in our already everyday life. For example, I locked myself out of my house an hour ago because I'd forgotten to put my keys in my far pocket. Very seldom happens. Right? That does not mean I have to stay out of the house forever because I locked the keys once. Mm -hmm. Now, in the court process, one comment, one allegation by an attorney or the other side can lead to the equivalent of that. So a parent wanting to see their children can lose contact with their children because of one comment that gets hijacked, railroaded, and they haven't got the means or they overreact to a ridiculous comment. I mean, if the average person in society knew how ridiculous some of the comments were in the family court, they wouldn't believe it. It's so bad it wouldn't be believed. Because, of course, it has no place in normal society, some of the ridiculous allegations that's made. Mm -hmm. And most of those people who have children and who started families were once in love. Mm -hmm. on, the law of, on the law of averages, you don't normally start a family with someone you can't stand. And <laughs> mothers, generally speaking, who do want to fertilize, which is absolutely, if I was a woman, I'd be very choosy. I assure you, I'd be the choosiest woman in history. <laughs> but I'm a man of a more casual approach, or I had in my younger days, shall we say. But uh, within all this, of course, you, you tempt but don't succeed. That's life. The woman chooses to a large extent. So you have this complete reversal of love, intimacy, and all the rest, known an awful lot about another person, too. They are certainly enemy number one of your life. So that leads to extremely polarized behavior anyway, because mm -hmm. it's effectively psychological war. In war, people do terrible things. I mean, you can look at any conflict you like, as recent as you like, and you look at some of the horrible abuses perpetrated upon other people by developed nations. Because when you need war, it is not a developed process, it is a brutal process. And you translate that to the family court process with parents who formerly loved each other, and now they're a psychological war with each other, or one is putting war on the other. Mm -hmm. it's, it's traumatic and horrendous. Mm -hmm. You know, they used to say divorce was only for the rich. Yes, and they were right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I, but it seems like the rich can't afford it either. Well, the rich, the rich can afford to be divorced. And some of them have several divorces. Uh, because it's almost a lifestyle with them. Mm -hmm. Because most of the rich people you see are not intimately involved in rearing their children. Mm -hmm. They have staff doing that. They're schools, they're private schools, they're boarding schools, prep schools, call it whatever you like, mm -hmm. you see? Uh, so they have a more detached, I'm not saying they don't love their children, but they have a detached parenting relationship. The poorer people can afford none of that. Mm -hmm. So they have no choice for parenting their children the whole time. So many couples parent their children with uh, the lower working class in terms of income, 
work on different shifts, different jobs that complement each other, or a family member comes in and support when they can't, when the two of them work together on occasions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is extraordinary stress on people. This, because when you come home, you have almost double as much work to catch up on as when you're at work. So there's no, for if you get up the social scale a bit, and the two parents are coming home, or usually the mother wants to be at home for a few years, take time out from work and all the rest, which is absolutely her choice if she wants. And if the father's a house husband, that's normally the mother is a high earner. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're intimately involved with your child. But you, haven't got, you have not got the money for anything fancy. You can't afford a decent car. You can't afford decent housing. So you definitely can't afford expensive litigation in court. Mm-hmm. Poverty is very, very expensive lifestyle on the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very sad. Expensive yeah. Goodness. Is it, um, how can people reach you? Uh, well, in London, uh, there's the website and, uh, because of a membership parent charity, uh, the charity directs people and other helplines, but I emphasize, I do my voluntary work at the meetings. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in being a, a go-to for everybody else. Right. Because to get to the bottom of a case takes hours. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise all you're hearing is one person giving their belief. Mm-hmm. So most of the fathers who ring me uh, believe that they are angels. They're not. They're normal men. Mm-hmm. The women who ring me are normally grandmothers or aunts or new partners of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. Uh, so... I am not interested. That's why I've written the book. That's why on www.londonfathers.com, two chapters of the book on one, how to be a litigant in person, and one on how to be a McKenzie friend in the family court, and another one on how to do complaints. I've given them there for free so that anyone who wants help can just go on there and in simple, well, with me, it's definitely simple language, process the situation themselves because I can't fight someone else's fight. Mm-hmm. I stopped in McKenzie Friend two years ago because I wanted to keep my sanity. I was left of it, perhaps. And I devote more time to campaigning. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it is only the, the more socially concerned people who are not in this for commercial enterprise who want to interview me. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the mainstream media will avoid me like the plague because I know too much and I go against their comfortable narrative. Mm-hmm. So you depend upon people who are not doing this to become millionaires, who are doing this because of a sense of social injustice and to try and get some spotlight on it from their perspective and make it better overall. And most of them come into it from their own background because they wouldn't be doing this process otherwise. They'd be living a normal life. But that's the way it is. And I wish, particularly wish that there were far more people asking questions mm-hmm. and presenting the answers to far, far more of society. Mm. And that political pressure, as it should then escalate, to cause better outcomes, better judgments, better decision-making, better process, particularly better process in the whole system. So that you don't have this worst of all worlds. And divorce and separation for children will never be a perfect situation, but there's no need why it has to be a disaster so often, less Mm. disasters. Less tornadoes. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it was great. It was great having you on. I still would like to have you back on again. Well, I'm not objecting, Marianne. I would have to chat to you. You ask very, very good questions. <laughs> well, I try. I try. But you I succeed. mean, <laughs> well, thank you for your time. And uh, don't, don't jump off. Slam the Gavels a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Vincent. Again, we'll have him back on and other exciting guests. Thank you again, Vincent. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. Absolute privilege. Thank you.